Hey, it's Justin. And before we jump into today's podcast, we just want to thank you. We know you have a choice in what you listen to, and we are thankful for you. Every month, we shine a light on our top performing, most downloaded podcast episodes, and you're getting one of those this week. Enjoy, and remember that every winner started as a contender. Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for downloading It's the ContenderCast with Justin Hahnemann. We're shining a light on bright ideas. And today we are talking about another of my favorite, favorite topics, the, the world of creativity. And on the podcast today is one of our, Monique and I's great friends, Janice Shaver. Janice, it is awesome having you on the podcast. I love how you even started. I'm <laughs> glad to be here. I just want to listen to that just again. Just hit record and we're off and running, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so great. So uh, for those who don't know Janice, she is an award-winning and internationally produced playwright. Woohoo! I love that. I think that was cool. I love that you put that in your bio. Um but more than anything, she is one of those just ultra creative people that doesn't just talk about ideas, but brings them to life. And we're going to be talking about the world of theater, um, the world of creative, re- the creative world today, the world of creativity, and our bringing ideas to life. And Janice, is just, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, some of you may be familiar with some of the shows she's written. I call them shows, but is that what you would call them? They're shows they're or shows. plays or musicals. Plays, yeah. Troubadour. Cinderella and Fella, The Geller Girls, Short Story of Michael Fish, Broke. I could go on and on. Amazing. You've got more than a dozen of these you've written, and and I can't imagine the time it takes, and we'll talk about that today and unpack how that works. But all right, let's start with how did you go from journalism major, undergrad, and communications master's to, hey, I'm going to write some some plays. I'm going to get into this whole space of, of art. Okay. I love it. So... Thank you for letting me tell this story. I can't wait. So I was working at the Alliance. So, so I graduated with a degree in communication from the University of Georgia, right? And I was working at the Alliance Theater. I was doing PR and marketing. And a dear, dear, dear mentor said to me, what else do you want to do? And I said, <laughs> I think I should go to school at night and get a master's degree from Georgia, Georgia State. And if I'm going to go to school at 8 o'clock at night, it better be something that I really, really want to do. Right. You're passionate about. Right. So I pursued a degree, a master's degree in screenwriting. Wow. And I loved that it. That had to be so much fun. Oh, it was fantastic. And it was also, hmm. my professor said to me about three weeks in, I think you can do this. Wow. And so then, of course, so I, fell, fueled you. I fell madly in love right, with him. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> in that moment. Um, That's hilarious. And, and so my, my thesis for my master's was... Um, a screenplay called He Looks Great in a Hat. Which was one of, that was your first well, play, right? So Kenny Leon of the artistic the artistic director then at the time at the Alliance Theater read it. Right. And called me. I remember I was at home and called me up and said, if you adapt this for the stage, we will do it. Wow. Right. And I was like, what? Yes. What? <laughs> I, will, I will get right on that. Right. And I had just had my daughter. So I was at home losing my mind. Oh, right. Wow. Going to dinner parties and people saying, what do you do? And then they glaze play, over right? when you say, I'm at home with my child. They go, you're invisible. You don't matter anymore. Oh, that's that's terrible. <laughs> well, well, it's the reality of, oh, at God. that moment. So, but then I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And so I adapted it. And my best friend at the time, a man named Lawrence Keller, directed it. And it was a story of um, 
how I met my husband, Bill Nygut. Okay. All right. Before we go too far, though, let's unpack this. He looks great in the hat idea. Okay. So you have a thought. Yeah. So talk through the process, the creative process of, okay, maybe this is an idea to writing the content, what's in the content, and then getting it to a place where you start picking out characters and whatnot. How does that work in your mind? Okay. So I can tell you about the story that I'm working on right now. Oh, perfect. That's great. Okay. Um, it's called Ladies in Waiting. Okay. And the way that it came to me is I was listening to an interview and somebody mentioned that in 1955 during Operation Alert, which was a three-day event to test how prepared the country was for nuclear attack, wow. potential nuclear attack, sure. that there was this evacuation. 15,000 members of the government, employees of the government, went to off-site locations to see how we would function. Would, the, would there be continuity of our government? Of our government right? sure. So as a result of that, I, he made this mention that four of the wives of the cabinet members spent that afternoon together drinking and playing cards and realizing in the event of catastrophe, there is no plan for them. Wow. Right? I see. Okay. So I was like, that's interesting. Right. I was like, exactly. I was like, <laughs> I that thought is about that. I want to hear what those women have to say. Right. And then I start thinking about, well, what would they would drink? I think they would drink whiskey sour. So <laughs> let me look up and see what's in a whiskey sour. Okay. And then I had these dishes that I inherited from my grandmother right. that, that were like glass that had the place for your coffee cup and your cigarette. Right. right? Oh my gosh. So the your ashtray yep. and your coffee. So I pulled those out and I put those on my desk and I started looking at names of women. Who were these women and who's at the table? And you just start to daydream, right? Sure. And and I You start to daydream, I, let's be clear. Well, but you do a different yeah. kind of daydreaming, but it's the same daydreaming. And I sure. start looking at pictures of political wives from the 1950s and yep. I start printing out pictures and putting them on the wall. And I start thinking, okay, who do I want at the table? I want somebody who has been a part of this world for a really, really long time, like the older kind of grand dame sure. of the group. And I want sure. somebody at the opposite end of the spectrum. And then who are the other two people? And what do they love? And what are their and you start trying on names and you wow. start what would they eat? And you look that up and you and then you start looking at footage and what would the music and, and it just starts. So you start, start just to create or you find inspiration pieces for different aspects of of Almost a stage, right? I Absolutely. Mean, that's the way you're thinking but, about but it. But here's the thing about me, Justin. So when I was a little girl, I grew up in a family where I was the youngest by more than a decade, right? And it was predominantly men in our family, lots of guys. Sure. So if you were to look at our family <laughs> dinner, it would be like Aunt Evelyn and Uncle Maya and mom and dad, and there would be an empty seat where I would be because I will have I would have already slid under the table and was asleep under the table. Wow. But I would close my eyes and I would listen to family stories and they would tell stories about midnight elopements and <laughs> one-eyed chauffeurs and my, how skinny my dad was and big ears and he wow. had to borrow a suit. So, so when, you were picking up on the stories. Even right. But now, now when I write, I don't see, I hear. So when Got somebody, it. so when somebody says, well, would she have worn this hat? I'm like, I don't know. I can only hear her voice. Oh, wow. Interesting. So okay. I can't write the play till I can hear them. Got it. Okay. So let's talk about, so here's it, it, current in this new production you're putting together, right? This is, is that where you are now is kind of put, putting together the, the, the thoughts on what is inside? Or are you at the place where you've we're gonna, characters and script? We're going to read it. We're going to do a reading for the first time next week. Oh, wow. I know. So I have heard none of it out loud. And that's a thrilling moment because everybody who's been in your head, right. they're now people in the room. And that's probably also where you can make adjustments, right? Some Huge. things may not work. Some Huge. things are like a perfect like 10. 
like how you are when you go out and you do speeches and you sure. go, oh, I got excited too many details, perhaps in the next right. one, I need to scale down and, right. you know, what, whatever that balances with Monique, it's that same sure. thing. It's the first time that you're, that it's alive, really. Yeah. You, um, you helped Monique and I write um, a speech all around like what you do with an idea. And, so right? genius. It was so good. <laughs> you did an amazing so job and we got to experience Janice, uh, in real life, taking you know a bunch of stories that we gave you, I mean, just a bunch of sound bites, I'll call it, came back with a whole written up outline of how they then, all fit together. Yeah, and and then we got to deliver that um, for the first time up at BMW, and it's interesting. We did it twice a day. I think I was telling you this earlier, and the first go round, like the first reading, we'll call it right. And even the first readings at home, you know, it was too much here and there, but then not enough here and there. So we were able to tweak and adjust and until we had read through it that first two couple of times. And then reading through it in front of an audience, you know, of other people, you really can gauge, you know, what needs to be adjusted and, and make it stronger. But what's so great about the two of you is that you aren't going to get so rigid in your delivery that you're <laughs> that not... That would not be possible. Right. That, that, that you're not going to stay attuned to what your audience is responding to. Right. I don't have you that have same, to do that. I don't have that you same You have to stay luxury. on script, right? right? Exactly. But they can... They can be bigger, like as actors, they can make different choices based sure. on who's in the audience. But I don't have, but you can respond in the moment. That's interesting. So how important then, so it's great to have a script, but then you need people, the right people to bring to life the script because I could read the same line one way and you read the same line and it might you know, be different depending on who that person is. So how do you go about selecting the right people? That's part of your story. I, I certainly have people in Atlanta that I adore and I work with time and time again. Sure. You know, Atlanta has unbelievably talented actors, unbelievably talented actors. And um, Courtney Patterson, Courtney Collins, Anne-Marie Gideon. I mean, there's just so many beautiful, beautiful actors. So I feel like um, you just try them on in your head and you and you go, oh, Tess Kincaid. Could, could she be, be a this, great fit, you know? Oh, and she has a big okay. energy and a big presence. Could she be villainous? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. um, so you just, it's all about what if, what if, what if, what if. That's really cool. Well, and then another big part of any show is the music. And in your most recent um, musical, Troubadour, you had the opportunity to work with Christian Bush from Sugarland. So, and you have a really cool story about how you guys connected. You know, when when we first saw it, we loved it. In fact, I, you know, the music for me was like such a hit. Um, and at the end, I, we had no idea, you know, kind of the backstory on how you guys connected. But tell that story because I think it's so fascinating. Well, I had fallen in love with this idea of writing about this Russian Jewish tailor who bedazzles the hell out of country music in Nashville, <laughs> 1955. Right. right? And, um, and so I heard his voice, I wrote his story, and it initially started off as a play with music, four songs. That's all I was looking for okay. was four songs. So Susan Booth had expressed an interest in wanting to do it. And I was like, okay, I need the music. I need, right. I need to up my game. Like, <laughs> so I reached out to my, the women in my life. I have a fabulous right. network of women Absolutely. like Monique, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, all right, strong. ladies, who do we know? Who do we know? And then someone said, well, I know this person connected to him over there. And somebody else was like, uh, 
you know, Christian Bush, he lives in Atlanta. Blah, right. And I was like, Sugar oh, Christian Bush, that would be great. And then I'm saying this to another friend the next day. And she goes, oh, I sat on an airplane with him two years ago. I have his email address. <laughs> that's crazy. Right. And, but that's how I think things work. Oh, and I totally she, agree. So she sent me his email address and I wrote him a letter on Saturday. And then Bill and I went to some event for Big Bird. We were at Fernbank. <laughs> nice. And I got and I got an email from her, from Christian Bush three hours later saying, let's meet. And we met on Wednesday in Little Five Points right. at the Flying Biscuit. Right. He had a Diet Coke. And scrambled eggs. Yeah. Because so you're funny. a Diet Coke lover too. <laughs> I know. That's right. Right. We did. And then by Hilarious. the time we were done with breakfast, he had written the first song for the oh show. Oh my gosh. How cool is that? It just came to him in this real, he's an yeah. unbelievable, prolific, ingenious writer. And then because it was such a powerful pairing, we kept saying more please, more please, more right. please, more please. So that the final... What we presented on the Alliance Sage was 14 songs. What, is what started with four songs four. became 14? 14. And we, we had songs we didn't use. I mean, I hope that um, it, it's looking like we'll get to play with that show some more. And we are looking to put in extended parts of songs. Oh, I love that. Because his There's music some really was great so songs great. on that show. Yes, he did. The staging, yeah, that was amazing. So, what you know, people are probably asking, great, you got it in Atlanta, but now what? Like, how do you take a show like that? And this is something I asked you. I remember... That the day that we went and saw it was how do you take that and go and get it national attention, get it out on the road where people can really enjoy it? Yeah, that's what we are working on right now. There's a how does that work? Well, um, it can work in a number of ways. There can be a regional theater that's interested in sure. bringing it to their city. You can find a producer who digs it, who's like, "Let's do a reading." Let's do it, sure. Yeah. So we're 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 exploring those things right now and seeing. What's next? Sure. I we're, just felt like that gonna, show had such great potential I beyond, you know, so I love too. the Alliance Theater in Atlanta, but I mean, geez, it's like so strong. I thought it was really fun. And it was a really, it was a, um, an affirming message. And like that was at that moment, it was really beautiful to see how full the houses were, how happy the houses totally. were. Yeah. It was really, it was a joyous event. Yeah. I believe me. Um, I'm with you on that. I was so glad you came. Thank you. <laughs> I wouldn't miss it. It was great. It was, yeah, so awesome. it was super fun. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, another big topic you and I have explored, and, and we could go on and on with all your shows, and I I, I love the, the stories behind each one. We talk about stories, though, and you know, in today's world, storytelling has become such a hot topic. And in my day job in management consulting, I was sharing this with you earlier, we've actually been putting people through like storytelling training. Like we're, we're putting structure around how to tell stories with our clients, right? We're, we're focusing on that in terms of a priority. And this is an area that's, that's right up your alley. And you're now teaching at Georgia Tech, this whole, this whole concept. But talk about where this has all come from and why there's so much energy around it. Well, I think people are recognized that we are hardwired for story. It's what we're raised on. It's our some of our earliest memories are our parents reading us stories, sure. right? Absolutely. There's a, there's actually um, a part of the brain in the left hemisphere that they've dubbed the interpreter. And as you walk through your day, it's taking all the stimuli and it's creating story around it. So wow. so if I pass you and you don't speak to me. I start telling myself a story. You know, I think Justin probably had a hard night last night. Maybe he and Monique were fighting. Oh maybe, maybe the job security isn't You've as taken a piece of data right. and made a story around because it. But maybe not right though. Right, because we need story. We need narrative coherence. It's something that we're really hardwired for. Yep. And there's narrative this, coherence. Well, yeah. that's a new word for me. Well, I like that. Um, and if you were to include stack. Uh, 
facts and statistics versus including a story. A story makes you 22 times more memorable. It is sticky. It's what we want. We want story. So for me personally, after I did Troubadour and then I did a musical for young people called Cinderella and Fella, I I took a step back and I was like, I'm all about story and it doesn't always have to be my story. So what if I broadened my, my focus? And a lot of my career has been about branding and doing trainings and, sure. and investing in women's leadership, working with a company that I did earlier. And so the perfect intersection was connecting people to their stories. So in the last 18 months, I've worked with senior women at Georgia Power. I've coached PhD students at Emory. I've worked with female entrepreneurs. I've worked with male entrepreneurs. Um, really helping people like I did with you and Monique. Sure. What is your story? What's the best way? What's the arc that you want to tell? What are the, what are the details people are going to hold on to? And um, it's been it's been a blast. It has, and what I love about it personally is I get to sit with people every day and say, "Tell me your story. What's right. your story? What Everyone was the house has a story like? to tell, right? What's your what's what was the house like you grew up in? How are you like that seven year old you?" And that gives people clarity, sure, and confidence. It allows them to respond in networking and interviewing, but also to understand when an opportunity is right for them. No question. So, how does that get brought to life in the classroom? So, how does that work? So this is so interesting. <laughs> it's so interesting. Georgia Tech is is so forward thinking. They are they are they they got a big. And this is lead. coming from a UGA alum, by the way. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> huge respect. Um, so um, the biomedical engineering program received a grant from the Kern Family Foundation because what they recognized is their their students were getting outstanding educations unbelievable skills, but they could benefit from the opportunity to learn to tell their stories. If you have a great experience and great education, but you can't talk about it, how are people going to understand? No question. Right? No question. So they have create. They are designing a curriculum that will become a signature program for them, so that every one of their biomedical engineering students will have a freshman course that's about helping them become intentional about their education, and and that they have agency in their education and. And owning it from the start, and then in a junior year, they'll take a course that I am designing with my colleagues at Georgia Tech to help them understand what is story-worthy, how to craft a story, how to adapt the story, um, how to how to understand their own journey so that as sure. they go out, they can feel that same kind of agency going into their career and have confidence about sure. where they've been. Well, and it's so important to be able to tell your story, right? Absolutely. Because whether you're uh, in, a, in a job interview and telling the story of your background, you know, that's one of the first questions people ask is, you know, give me a little bit about you or tell me a little about your background. And <laughs> it's not read the resume, it's tell me your story in about two minutes. And other opportunities, like we talk about, there's a lot of entrepreneurs in our podcast that are launching companies, products, brands, packages, books, music, etc. And at some point, you've got to go out and sell that and tell the story about why you wrote X or why you've brought this product to market or why you started the company. But not everyone is great at telling stories. It, it's But it's a, it's a skill you can learn and practice and become super proficient at, right? It's not if you don't have it at birth means you don't have it, right? That this, this one thing that I heard that I read that I think is super interesting is that designers when they go into a, to an area where they want to create, they have to understand the story that's being told and then they have to create the new story of what they can create and what can be different and then get buy-in that. for that new story. So that's what we're, so storytelling is super huge in the creative process and the design process. And hopefully 
my students will go out and, be, and, and doors will open because they'll be able to talk about their that experiences. That is awesome. What a great thing to have in addition to your engineering degree, right? I mean, Absolutely. kind of that extra piece that, you know, around that kind of packages up your overall background. We both know yeah. that, and this is what I say to them, they're taking the same courses. Their story is their differentiator. No question. Ability to tell it. Right. Wow. So where are, where are you now in the program development? Is it, is it now in place or it's going to be launched I, soon? No, I, I started teaching this semester. Wow. So I teach three-hour seminars. We do five a series of five three-hour seminars, and I've done two of them. And I think these students are so savvy that's, and that's hardworking. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, I... Uh, it, it's it's certainly a new environment for me. Yeah, but that, that's but great. But I'm shaking things up. And yeah, I, I was going to say, cool. that's yeah. pretty awesome. And yeah. for you, it probably challenges you to think differently too. That's exactly you know, right. And bring out some of your skills. Right. So um, you've written a bunch of amazing plays, musicals, et cetera. You know, now you're, you're bringing to life the whole idea of storytelling. And there's a lot of linkage between those. What would be some advice you'd give to others that are exploring their creative interests or um, maybe their passions in this space as they're looking to to make things happen. I really believe in the value of daydreaming. I really think you need silence and time in daydreaming because I think that what is so prevalent is we're so occupied all the time. Sure. If we have five minutes in a <laughs> Overstimulation. Stand, right, if right. we're standing in a line, right, we're going to grab our phone. We're going right. to check our email. If right. we are at a stoplight, we're going to grab our phone. We're gonna, right, hopefully not anymore. But so how <laughs> are you, Georgia. right, how are you supposed to hear your thoughts? Right. How are you supposed to give yourself time to daydream? So that's what I would say to somebody is that if, that if you are looking to create change, looking to do more creative endeavors, sure, give yourself time to daydream. Well, and for those that have you know creative interests in these areas where where you are, I mean, didn't it start with getting some ideas down on paper? Yeah. I mean, just get start at least collecting. Yes, I always call it the vomit draft. <laughs> Just like, like nothing get critical, everything down. nothing critical, just right. get it out because you can always make it better. It's the starting that's so hard. It's that blank piece of paper staring at you. And you know that, sure. the author of books over there. Well, and I, everyone, you know, everyone that comes up to me and says, hey, I've always thought about writing a book. It's like, well, just open a Word document and start getting all the content down possible. Don't structure it. Don't do anything with it, but get it all down at least so that you have something to work with. I also believe when I write that I write for my best friend. So that there's a level of, I care about you so much. I want to give you every single thing because I want you to get the win of whatever it is. Mm. When I write a play, I always imagine my best friend sitting in the audience. I think of my best friend as one of those students. Do you know what I mean? There's a level of buy-in that's super huge. That's interesting. That's a good way to think about it. All right. So uh, last but not least, where can our audience find you? How can they engage with you, et cetera? Um, So my company is called Story Centric. And my... Love that. Thank you. Um, came from my women's network. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, that. And it, you can find it at storycentric, C-E-N-T-R-I-C dot me. Mm. Or JanisheSchaefer.com. Right. Yeah, for theater, for plays. Pretty awesome. Thank well, you. thank you so much for thank coming on the you. podcast. It's been a blast. awesome. I appreciate it. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.